TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. We got a lot to talk about today. I mean, we got the Warriors winning against the best team in the Western Conference in the Utah Jazz. At least record-wise, they're the best team in the in the Western Conference. And the Warriors managed to stay above 500 going to tonight's game against the Lakers at 7:30. I don't know if they're going to be playing the same type of game or not because that win last night Yesterday, excuse me, not last night. Got to get used to the fact that the game was at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But that win was the best win of the season. And I don't know if Steph Curry could have asked for a better 33rd birthday present. Besides those shoes, they were sick. And that moment that he had with Cannon toward the end of the game, that was cute as hell, man. It's the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. Not only that, but just the fact that his team, when they rally around him and play like they did, whether it's Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Jordan Poole, or James Wiseman coming off the bench, Eric Paschal getting you some timely shots uh, in the fourth quarter to keep the lead up. It was a good day overall. For Warriors fans, I think. But 888-957-9570 is the text line in the phone number uh, if you want to weigh in. Was that your favorite win of the season? Or was there another one that you had in mind? Because that one comes to mind. The one against the Clippers early on comes to mind. The one against the Bulls. The Raptors. Uh, beating the Lakers. Which one comes to mind for you? 888 Nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Coming up, we will be talking a little bit about free agency because the legal tampering period officially begins at one o'clock this afternoon. So this is where it gets crazy in the NFL. This is where reports start surfacing. 
Oh, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. You got smoke. You got mirrors. You got all of this stuff. But the 49ers did make a move over the weekend. And I think not only was it just the value I believe they got with the contract that they signed yesterday, uh, but it was the way that it all came about. So wait till you hear that. That's coming up uh, a little later on in today's show as well. So we got a ton to talk about. Uh, but again, would love your help. 888 if you want to weigh in on anything today. But the key to me in this win over the Jazz, it wasn't just the scoring on the offensive end, but it was what they were doing defensively. And it was keeping the pressure on as much as they could. You know, Donovan Mitchell was doing Donovan Mitchell-type things. He's an unbelievable player. But holding him to 24 points on 18 shots and only having him go 4 of 10 from 3 with how efficient that he can be, I think that that was um, something that was huge within the game. And overall, holding the Jazz to 34% from 3. That has been the key for the Warriors in the first half of the season with their defense. They've been able to guard the mid-range. And if you heard any of those stats that I gave you uh, going into that game against the Clippers where there were you know, two stats that I wanted to see them stay consistent with and two stats that I wanted to see them improve on. Uh, one that I wanted to see them improve on was the fouling situation and, and just not letting these guys get to the line. Well, overall, the Jazz had 29 free throws, so it wasn't exactly that. Uh, they didn't exactly follow that. But the one that they did didn't stay consistent with, and the one that I wanted to see them improve on was the guarding of the three-point line and making sure that these guys aren't getting the easiest shots from the perimeter. And I know that it may not seem like much, but when Andrew Wiggins, when he's scoring the way that he's scoring, we're paying attention to what he's doing a lot on offense, but the little things on defense that he was doing, closing out on guys like Donovan Mitchell, on Mike Conley, whoever was up taking shots, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Bojan Bogdanovich, who was only one of seven from three. The way that they were able to close out on these players yesterday I think is a big reason uh, as to why they won, and they are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, one of the most efficient. Because they always get their open shots and coming off the bench. I mean, it's not it's not a bad look when you got Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. Jordan Clarkson right now is a front is a front runner for six man of the year, and they held him to twenty one points on twenty three shots, only three of eight shooting from three. He's been relatively good from the three point line this season. But overall, it was that that impressed me the most. We know the Warriors can 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 go on these scoring runs like that. Now against the Utah Jazz, so to speak, I don't know. Not real. I don't know if we expected that. But the way that they were having them switch, having Rudy Gobert just essentially protect the rim, and they were taking a majority of them being outside shots. And when they had their chance, when they got Rudy Gobert outside of the paint, they were able to take advantage of it by going to the rim. I mean, there are a couple of passes, too, that Steph made that were just unbelievable. Uh, The one that comes to mind right away is, I believe, 
in the third quarter when he takes the ball up, dribbles it, and gets to the uh, he dribbles it to the right, gets to the corner, and he gets doubled uh, ultimately by Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and somehow in between them he manages to pa- to pass the ball cross court all the way to the left wing where Andrew Wiggins was wide open, and then he ended up shooting a three, making it, and these are the types of plays where you're just thinking, happy birthday, Steph. Some of these passes that he was making, I mean, he had a couple of long ones to Jordan Poole, that one late in the game that he had. I don't know how he even got that off, but it was really the key to their defense and getting the defensive rebounds uh, that I thought was the difference in this game. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. And by the way, I didn't even notice this till the end of the game. But Rudy Gobert had twenty eight rebounds in this one. Twenty eight. <laughs> it's like, how do you go twenty four points, twenty eight rebounds, eight of them offensive? I mean. How does that even happen? It's crazy. And he was just absolutely dominant on the glass, but I didn't realize he was that dominant with 28 rebounds. <sighs> didn't even notice that. But it wasn't just the starting unit. And, and quite frankly, in the start of the second quarter, with the way that the Warriors were were shooting and the way that they really weren't playing defense, the lack of defense, I mean, it just it looks ugly. Sometimes they're... They're causing turnovers, they're drawing fouls, they're doing all sorts of different things. It just isn't a good look when they go out there with the second unit right now of Mannion and Poole, or at least it wasn't to start the second quarter with Mannion, Poole, uh, Pascal, JTA, and then uh, Andrew Wiggins. But I do think that eventually they picked it up in the start of the fourth quarter. Um, They got rolling. But that's also where the game was won, was the start of the fourth quarter and the fact that they were able to at least hang on until Steph gets into the game. That's what we're going to be seeing for the rest of the second half. You know, the first 10 games of the the year, Steph was relatively cold shooting, right? 33% from the field, or or 33% from three up until uh, that Laker game. And then from then on, up until the point of the All-Star break, he's shooting just over 40% from three. So Steph is Steph now. Going into the second half, it's completely different to the way that you started the season. But right now, it's just second unit, please bend, but don't break. Just hold on for dear life until... They come back in with a few minutes left in the in the second quarter as well as the fourth quarter. Please, just don't blow it completely and get them down uh, 10 points. But even when the, the Jazz were clawing back and, and it felt like they were, the Warriors still kept shooting and still kept playing defense, still guarding the three. Now, the Jazz did miss some open shots. I will give them that. But still... That game last night, or excuse me, in the afternoon, I keep on saying last night, in the afternoon was the best of the year, in my opinion. And here's the here's the uh, interesting thing. This was from Draymond Green's Twitter account before. Now, he came out and said he didn't necessarily agree 
with how they handled Wiseman and the COVID testing because they're making him do three tests a day, and sometimes it's impossible just to find one but or try to get to one. But here's what Draymond said on his Twitter, and this was before the game started. And really, even though they were going up against the Jazz, the best team in the Western Conference, here's why I thought they were at a little bit of a disadvantage. This is from Draymond's Twitter account. So you cancel the 5 o'clock test, and this was on Saturday. So cancel the 5 o'clock test after practice starts at 3.30 to accommodate the 5 o'clock test, only to come back and test at 10 p.m. to lose an hour to daylight savings time, test by 9 a.m., play a game at 1 p.m. Great. Just another, another day in the life. Genius. Well, Draymond messed around and got a triple-double. He had 11 points with 12 rebounds and 12 assists. Led the team with four steals. And wait till you hear what he has to say because his confidence right now is sky high. And the number that stuck out to me, and this is how important Draymond is, and this is why he is so pivotal going forward. He was one for four from the three-point line, by the way. One for four. And I'm telling you, I don't need him taking 10 threes a game. That's not what I'm saying. But if Draymond is taking three or four three-pointers a game and on the off chance one of those shots goes in, I'm good with that. I really am. And, you know, some days he'll have a good shooting night. And when he is shooting, that means he's playing with confidence. But here's the stat that stuck out to me. uh, And this is from StatMuse. When Draymond gets a triple-double... The Warriors are 25 and 1. 25 and 1 when Draymond gets a triple double. So, whenever he is doing something like that, having a game like that, he's clearly doing something right, but 25 and 1. I mean, that's what it takes right there in order to beat the best team in the Western Conference. Not saying that the Warriors are going to automatically make a play-in game because right now they are the ninth seed and um, you know you never know how the second half can shake down. But these types of games show you that, look, they have the potential when everything is clicking to beat one of the best teams in the league. They do. And, and that's something that not a lot of teams show. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in from the 707. Jordan Poole is a breath of fresh air after watching Wanamaker all year. Dude, so Twitter was just exploding at the start of the second quarter. You know, oh, the second unit, this, this stinks. Like, they don't know what they're doing. What's going on with Kerr? Then Poole makes a couple of threes toward the end uh, of that second unit run going into the half, and everyone just shuts up. In the start of the fourth quarter, same thing. Everyone just stays quiet. No hatred on that second unit. I really like what I'm seeing from both Nico Mannion and Jordan Poole. If the best way to give these guys experience is to give them reps, keep giving them the reps. Who cares? Right? And also, we forget that this Jazz second unit that they have, one of the best in the NBA. You got Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, who could easily be a starter on some other teams. Maybe not Joe Ingles anymore. But still, when you got those two, they also managed to keep in two starters, whether it's Mike Conley and uh, Bojan Bogdanovic or Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. So essentially, 
they almost have four starters on the court. And oh yeah, when Gobert's out, they could bring in Derek Favors, who's always been a great role player. So this was a good, good win yesterday. Very excited. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. If you want to continue to weigh in, but let's hear from the head coach himself, Steve Kerr. That'll be coming up next. Plus one reason why I am thinking that Clay, when he does come back, um, this is why whenever I'm asked, hey, why do you think Clay uh, will be the same type of guy if he comes back from this injury? We'll wait till you hear Clay speak. That's all coming up. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But what impressed you most in this win yesterday? I want to know from you in the Warriors 131 to 119 win over the Utah Jazz, moving to 20 and 19 on the season and making things within the Western Conference that much more interesting because right now the play-in game, I don't even know who's going to be it. Ranking from 7 through 10, seems like every one of these teams whether you're talking about Memphis, um, when you're talking about Portland, even though Portland right now are the fifth seed in the Western Conference, uh, when you're talking about these sorts of teams, they've shown flashes, but when you got Steph and Dre, the way that they were playing, and then the team also carrying them, at least in the second half, when they're when whenever Steph and Dre aren't on the court, and really bending but not breaking and at least making some buckets on the offensive end, uh, some buckets that are in transition. They looked like they were in such a good rhythm yesterday, but I want to know what impressed you the most. Was it just the way that Draymond Green played and the energy that he showed? Uh, Was it Andrew Wiggins and his by far best game as a warrior with his 28 points on the board, 12 of 16 shooting, including three of four from three? Uh, was it the way that the second unit played with Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, and Nico Mannion? Now, unfortunately, we we're not seeing uh, Damian Lee. We didn't see him play in this game yesterday. It looks like Brad Wanamaker is just um, you know, completely done from being involved in the second unit, and you wonder uh, what's going to happen there at the trade deadline. I don't know if you're going to be able to get anything for him, but... Um, you know, Michael Mulder doesn't look like he's going to play much going forward. Um, JTA, Kent Bazemore, and Eric Paschal, those three are mainstays, but it looks like Nico Mannion and Jordan Poole, as well as James Wiseman, um, they're here to stay in that second unit, and I have no problem with that. But 888-957-9570 uh, is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But let's get to Steve Kerr. Um, and, and coming up a little later on in the show, about eh, 10, 12 minutes, we're going to get into what the 49ers did in free agency and what they can possibly do going forward here with the legal tampering period beginning a little later on at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And the signing that they made 
I don't know if it was much of a surprise to anybody, but it was the process in which it was signed, in which he was signed. And if you didn't pay attention uh, on Saturday to Twitter, well, the tweets that I got from John Lynch and Jed York are pretty hilarious. Hashtag Kyle. Uh, but <laughs> but they made a signing yesterday, and we'll get to that uh, coming up. But I want to talk a little mo- bit more Warriors. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number, of course, if you want to weigh in. But Steve Kerr yesterday just talked about the Jazz's depth. And, you know, I went into the break saying that second unit, the way that they played, look, even though you might not have liked the defense that they were playing, the second unit that the Jazz roll out there are one of the best, if not the best in the league. They got a lot of depth. So here's what Steve Kerr had to say about the Jazz with their depth in their second unit. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that makes the Jazz uh, so tough is their depth. And, um, and, you know, when they come back in the second quarter, uh, they've got three starters out there. So they, they don't have, you know, a, a unit that's really vulnerable. Um, and they're very unique in that regard. You know, they, they, they can really put a, a hell of a five-man unit on, uh, you know, the entire game. And um, so that was a big challenge for, for that second group, particularly because this was really, you know, the first – uh, real test. You know, we we put them together in the fourth quarter against the Clippers, but that was a blowout and there was no pressure. There's a lot of pressure here. And uh, I thought they really weathered the storm, particularly in the second quarter. You know, I think they got, they got blitzed a little bit right away. They could have folded and, uh, you know, guys, guys hit big shots and, you know, made big plays and kind of weathered the storm. So really good outing for that group. Now, I don't know if, James Wiseman is going to be the starting center with the starting five with the way that they're playing right now um, because he had another good game, 16 points on 8 of 11 shooting, and he had four rebounds to go along with it. Um, He was overall a minus four on the court. But I do think that the starting rotation just has been – for me, it just feels like they're always up by – you know, maybe a double-digit lead, uh, you know, up eight or nine points. And the second unit, when they would come in to start the second and fourth quarter, you know, would kind of give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Shout-out to Red Hot Chili Peppers, although I need to roll my R's with that because he does a weird thing where he somehow rolls his R's with give it away, give it away. Anyway, don't want to get too bogged down in that. Uh, But I do think, though, that, as long as you can get some sort of scoring off the bench, then that's all you need. You know, you can sacrifice the defense that they're going to give you because Nico Manning and Jordan Poole, um, you know, they're not great defensively, but that's just going to take some time. But as long as they can give you some buckets, some timely buckets, I mean, yesterday, you know, toward the end of the fourth quarter, toward the, the middle of the fourth quarter, when Eric Paschal was still in the game, they're still, and Andrew Wiggins is in, they're getting some timely threes. Just as long as that second unit can get buckets and give you some form of scoring, then that's really all I'm looking for right now. And going forward in the season, I want to see the same second second unit stick together uh, with Mannion, Poole, Wiseman, and Pascal, and you know they can switch up with 
uh, JTA and Ken Bazemore and obviously leave in, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins or Kelly Oubre. Kerr ended up switching that up. Uh, the start of the second quarter was with Kelly Oubre, but the start of the fourth quarter was with Andrew Wiggins. I want to see those three stay on the court for the remainder of the season. But I also, for the experience alone, really need the Warriors to get into that play play-in game and give these guys the experience they need when Steph, Clay, and Dre come back. And and Steve Kerr um, talked more a little bit about that and just the fact that they're throwing Poole, Wiseman, and Mannion into the quote-unquote deep end. Yeah, I thought all three guys were great. You know, um, we are um, we're kind of throwing them into the deep end a little bit. Um, yeah, but but we we love their their talent and their potential and yeah, you know, we also really like the way they play together. Um they fit they fit well together because of James's uh threat as a uh dive man, you know, dive into the rim. Uh, both Jordan and Nico are good pick and roll players and Jordan and Nico really have developed a good uh, synergy, you know, over the course of the season. They're good friends and they you know, they went to Orlando played really well together. So I realize, um, you know, putting all three of them out there with that second group is, uh, you know, it's putting a lot on their shoulders, but um, there's a reason we're doing it. We, we believe in those guys. And moving off ball, trying to get to that open shot, the way that Jordan Poole has been playing as of late, the confidence at which he's shown shooting the basketball, here's how Jordan Poole is looking ever since he came in against the Suns for these last three games. He's averaging 22 minutes a game, shooting 56% from the field, 47% from three, and he's averaging 19 points a game. Is that Are those going to be his numbers in the second half? Probably not. I don't know if he's going to stay consistent with a 57% shooting from the field and 47% from three. Might not be that consistent, but if he can at least show the confidence that he's shooting with, he looks like a completely different player out there. He really does. And it might be just the addition of Nico Mannion being on the court, having that familiar face that he's been with in the G League, and the energy that Mannion shows, getting steals, uh, that's leading to open buckets. I think that overall... It's just beneficial to have these guys. And, you know, it's too early to say, yeah, this is the future uh, for the Warriors. But next season, it's looking more and more like these guys are going to be pivotal uh, coming off the bench. So if you can get that, that get them that experience going in the second half and then possibly giving them some sort of playoff experience this year, then next year I think you should feel really good as a Warriors fan going into it. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Uh if you want to continue to weigh in on anything today. But coming up next, we will get to the 49ers and their most recent move in free agency is the legal tampering period. Uh starts in about what? Uh, seven and a half hours from now. And that's when teams can, that's when reports start going that this guy is interested here. And then in a couple of days on St. Patty's Day, that's when they start actually putting pen to paper and guys really start getting signed. But today is where 
the sausage is made, so to speak. 888-957-9570. We will get to what the 49ers did over the weekend. And if you didn't see the process in which the signing was done, just wait till you hear these tweets from Jed York and John Lynch. It sounded like they had a hell of a Saturday night. 888-957-9570. Stephen Lankford did all the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. The hell went on with the music? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Want to talk a little 49ers and the free agency moves that they made and uh Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Want to know from you? What did you make of the Kyle Usechek signing? Because look, we had daylight savings yesterday, and I know some of you are probably, you know, hopefully you set your alarm and you're not thinking right now that it's uh, four thirty seven a.m. instead of it actually being five thirty seven a.m. And man, you know, going back to it. Never forget one time I was in, you know, Chico State. That's where I went to college. And I think I was a senior at this point. And have you ever been awake? I mean, were you awake even last night when the time change hits? Because at one point, I remember, you know, it was Chico State, you know, having some fun. Go to the bars and come back to the apartment and completely forget that it's. You know, daylight savings and the hours are going to change and the clock is going to move forward an hour. So I remember walking home. It was around one o'clock. At least it looked like it was one o'clock. And then I get home and all of a sudden it says three. It took me 10 minutes to walk home. I'm like, the hell? It's been two hours. What, what happened? Turns out that the clock moved forward an hour. <laughs> Did you experience that last night? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. But on Saturday night, here was here's what was funny, and this is just <laughs> like like when I saw it, I didn't really know what to make of it. But Jed York, you know Jed York, and John Lynch looked like they were having a little bit of fun on Saturday night. So Jed York tweets this out. And this is on Saturday. I'm the luckiest man in the world. My wife, our coach, hashtag Kyle, our GM, at John Lynch, love my life and those I share it with. And John Lynch is tweeting, I'm thirsty. Niners fans, you want some juice, quote unquote? So it's not necessarily the juice pun that was just, you know, I mean, it's, Nice try, John Lynch. It was good. I mean, it was all right. It was a good warning, but it's just like, you know, all right, come on. But um, Jed York tweeting out, because Kyle Shanahan doesn't have a Twitter account, Jed York tweeting out, hashtag Kyle, our coach, hashtag Kyle, is my favorite thing to happen on Twitter. I was watching Gone Girl at the time. I was watching Gone Girl on Saturday night, and I was asked, 
hey, did you see that John Lynch and Jed York, they got hacked on their Twitter accounts? I'm like, no. So I checked it out. Turns out they didn't get hacked. This is actually something they tweeted. And the next day, yesterday that is, Kyle Juszczyk, fullback, got signed to a five-year, $27 million deal. So here's where I'm at with the whole signing. It was more the process, if anything, that just cracked me up. Just seeing hashtag Kyle is my favorite thing of all time. Um, But signing Kyle Juszczyk and Trent Williams, I think, needed to be at the top of the priority list for the 49ers. Because if you have a stable core of George Kittle, who's already signed to a long-term deal, you have Kyle Juszczyk, who has just been so valuable. The amount that you need to pay for a fullback, it is unfair. It is unfair because I do feel like Kyle Juszczyk is worth much, much more than that because it's not just being a fullback anymore. He's a receiver. He's a lineman. He does everything. He's the ultimate utility man, and any team would be lucky to have him. But having Kittle, and now you have Juszczyk, and then you have Trent Williams for the next few seasons, look, if you can find your quarterback, find your franchise guy, because even though Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback in 2021, he's certainly not the quote-unquote franchise guy. We throw that term around way too loose. Sure, they gave him a contract when it mattered, but franchise guy isn't necessarily just a dude who's had one five-year deal with the team and then gone on to do other things. No, your franchise guy is kind of like a, a, a Drew Brees, right, who just retired. Shout out to Drew Brees. You're one of the greatest of all time. It's been an absolute pleasure watching Drew Brees work. You know, Philip Rivers, those kind of guys, right? Retired now, but Ben Roethlisberger, for example. Those dudes, franchise-type guys. Jimmy Garoppolo's not your franchise guy. He's your quarterback for next season, sure, but after that, who knows? But if you have that core, that left tackle, that tight end, and Kyle Juszczyk, and then you got, you know, Brandon Ayuk, who is on his first-round rookie deal, so he's going to be under contract for another three more years. You got Debo Samuel. Who knows what's going to be happening with him when he goes into his third year, right? I mean, you got Raheem Mostert at running back, but it's been kind of proven that Kyle used to, or Kyle Shanahan can really work with a lot of different running backs, and who knows what's going to happen there. But if you keep Juszczyk and Kittle and Williams, and then you can build your offensive line there a little bit through the draft, not necessarily through free agency, and then you can get another running back on a cheap deal, and then you find your quarterback and you have Brandon Ayuk, you're building a nice little solid foundation there. The only thing for me that this has a negative impact on, and and, and by the way, the 49ers also signed Emmanuel Mosley to a deal as well, cornerback, but the only thing I think this means is it still gives you room to sign Trent Williams to whatever deal uh, that they feel he's worth, right? I mean, he could he could make any he could make anything from twenty million all the way to twenty three million. He could 
you know, beat David Bakhtiari's deal from the Packers, who is the offensive tackle who currently has the most expensive contract uh, in NFL history for an offensive lineman. Trent Williams could surpass that. And the 49ers have the money to pay for him. But the only thing that that means is, and this is what you have to take along with it, is they're most likely not going to be signing Jason Verrett to another deal. I, I think Verrett is probably going to test free agency and see where else uh, is willing to take him. And with the way that he played last year and seeing the type of value that the 49ers got from uh, Verrett and the fact that, you know, when he's healthy, he looked like he was back to a Pro Bowl caliber type of corner, uh, just an absolute stud uh, when he's healthy. But I think the fact that you signed check to this deal, you go on to sign Williams, that means you're probably not bringing back Verrett, uh, if I had to guess. So that's the only downside I see to this. But in this league, which continues just to be, you know, a league that not only it, it does rely on the defense and defense does win championships, but having a good offense and giving the defense something um, to actually, you know, get on the field for something to actually motivate them. You need that offense that can put up points. And when you have use check Kittle and Williams, if you do, that's a good foundation to have, in my opinion. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line in the phone number. And if they do what I expect that the 49ers are going to do in this draft or what I think they should do in this draft, which is move up within the top 10 and get your quarterback. All right. I see what they're trying to do. I do see what they're trying to do. And and, and something was uh, made very interesting, I think, to me, and this was from The Ringer, and this was just their first paragraph um, from their breakdown of free agency and what's to come today. Uh, for one, not a lot of big names on the offensive side of the ball, besides Trent Williams. Trent Williams seems like the biggest name out there right now, um, but other and the biggest one. But I do think that they were right in what they said, and, and, and on The Ringer they mentioned that teams don't win free agency just because they sign a big-name player. That means that your team is in desperation mode when you go on and try to sign that expensive player that's from a completely different team who you don't even know uh, can thrive in your system. Like, for example, if you just randomly go out and get a Juju Smith-Schuster who might not be going back with Pittsburgh this next season, if you do that, then... I mean, that's kind of a sign of desperation. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're desperate at the wide receiver position. The way that free agency is won is through making these little signings, you know, the Jason Verrett types. I mean, Richard Sherman, for example, making these little moves that no one really expects you to make. So I wonder what they have up their sleeve going into this free agency. I wonder what names they're paying attention to that we're not. But as of right now, Kyle Juszczyk, five years, $27 million. And when you have a guy like that who can do all things, it's not like he's just a blocking fullback, um, which would be very useful, but he's a wide receiver. He's a, a, a lineman. 
He's a guy who can carry the football and give you some points whenever you're inside the five-yard line. He could do it all. So I really, really like this signing. And if that means that you're sacrificing having to sign Jason Verrett to another deal, um, then I get that. But if they manage to bring back all three of those guys, then more power to them, right? That, I mean, they're doing something right there. But 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Hashtag Kyle. The legal tampering period begins today. That's when we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, moves being made. So going to be very interested to see what happens um, going forward as the 17th is when you can officially see teams sign pen to paper. But 888-957-9570 is the way I want you to weigh in. And I want to get back to the Warriors because this win last night was fantastic. It was their best win of the season. It was their most complete win of the season. And I don't know if it's just the product of the second unit and the jolt that they're giving them because the Jazz, they got so much depth that when I saw all these tweets firing off about how the second unit responded, it was just... It was way too much. It's like, look at the other team. Stop looking at your own for once and just give the other team credit. It's tough. Not a lot of second units have much success. But this game, it was Andrew Wiggins. It was Draymond. It was, of course, Steph. But then it was Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, and James Wiseman who are giving them some young, fresh legs coming off the bench, hungry uh, players, and the energy that they had yesterday was unlike something that we'd seen uh, in this Warrior season. But 888 I want you to weigh in. Before we get to what happened in the game, Clay Thompson, he did a pregame presser, and he was very honest, you know, and, and, and introspective and vulnerable, you know, and he said that this was the toughest uh, year of his life and, and everything that surrounded it with the pandemic. He had a death in his family. Like, there was a lot that Clay's had to deal with. But here's one thing for me that stuck out, and, and besides all of that, but this is why whenever, whenever fans ask and they wonder, why do Warrior fans, why are Warrior fans so confident? that Clay is going to be the same type of player uh, next year as he has been in years previous. Well, listen to Clay talk and just talk about his expectations for him, himself, the team, everyone next season. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't expect to come back and just boss the wall 38 minutes a night, guarding the best player, running around 100 screens. I'm going to get to that point. I guarantee that. But I've talked to Rick Sabrina about a lot. It might be... 20 minutes to start the season, 18 minutes, like a limits restriction. We'll see where I'm at. This is usually a 12-month process with the Achilles, and that will take me to mid-November. So I'm not even sure, Anthony. I just try to take it day by day. and But I plan on being the all-NBA player I was. I will not settle for anything less. I'm too competitive to just take a relegated role. No, nah, that's not me. I'm going to be – yeah, I'm too, too fiery just to – come out there and just give you a 13 a game on 20 minutes. No, I'm going to go out there and I can't wait, man. I got a lot of pent up energy. I got a lot of pent up aggression. I just want to play basketball. So when that happens, it will be a joyous day for not only me, but for everybody, including you guys. See, and, and listen to that. 
at the beginning, it, you may you may have been like, "See, why are you why are you even playing this? He doesn't sound confident at all." No, it's not that he doesn't sound confident. He just understands where he's at at the current moment, and he gets that he's not going to be going out there giving you thirty five minutes a night. But once he does get back into the swing of things, and Clay Thompson is able to have that ability to play without even thinking about the injury or uh, having that injury linger over him, I think next season, the competitive drive that he has, how much he loves basketball, you know, and everyone's saying what makes this different to any other player who's come back from injury. Sure, we've seen Kevin Durant uh, play at an all-star level, but we haven't seen him on the court all that much this year, at least in the second half we have. And, and, you know, whenever he's been on the court, he's been great, but we haven't seen him. Like, what if he ends up like that again? Well, the thing is with Clay, not going to be that ball dominant of a guy. The usage isn't really going to be there. He's going to get to his spots and he's going to get an open look and he's going to take that shot. Now, defensively, I do think there's some questions there, but the competitive drive that he has is what separates him from a lot of these other guys. And, you know, that may be, uh, you may be thinking that I'm disrespecting any of these other players who have come back from injury or tried to come back from injury. And I'm not trying to disrespect any of those guys. But we know here in the Bay Area how much Clay loves basketball. And we understand how much hunger he has to get back. So I think that with all those intangibles, that's why. I do believe, and, and you know, it's 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 hard to say that he's going to be back in an all-NBA-type level, but he will be, I think, good enough to play at an all-star level when he comes back next year. But 888-957-9570, I recommend you check that out if you haven't. That entire interview um, was really, really good. From the 510, before we get back to the Warriors, how about signing Fred Warner to an extension? Warner, too. You never know. That could be coming in the future. We'll see what the salary cap holds and how much it's actually worth going into next year because no one really knew going into this year. Uh, but Fred Warner is going to be a key piece on that defense. Fred Warner and uh, Nick Bosa, both. You know, eventually you're going to have to sign those guys and Fred Warner more so because he was a third round pick and you don't exactly have the luxury of keeping him under contract for as long uh, as the 49ers. Uh, have Nick Bosa there, but triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Getting back to the Warriors, this was just their most complete win. Everything and everyone was clicking on all cylinders, especially within that starting unit. And let's get to this comment from Draymond Greed. This is what he mentioned yesterday. And I'll, I'll preface it with this. There was a, I can't even remember which quarter it was, but there was a three on one, and somehow the Jazz didn't get any points out of it. The way that Draymond is able to guard these other teams when they're in transition on a fast break, when, you know, the Warriors may miss a bucket on the offensive end, then Draymond hustles back on defense. Draymond stifles them. And I don't know if there's a better three-on-one defender in the league than Draymond Green. But listen to what he had to say, and and this is 
just peak Draymond right here. This was Draymond after the game. I don't think there's anyone better than me defensively. Uh, you know, that's always been the way I felt. That That's not going to change now. And as I said before, you know, we, we got to win more games. Uh, you know, we win more games, climb the standings. I think there's no question that I'll be defensive player of the year. But, you know, that, that comes with winning games. So uh, there's a responsibility for us to win. And if we do, there's no defender better than me. So there you have it. And what they improved upon yesterday, and this is something for me that really stuck out among many things that did. I mean, not only was it, you know, Andrew Wiggins and just the fact that he had his best night as a warrior, he looked aggressive. But this is what we've been told before, right, about Andrew Wiggins is that this is who he is, a guy who can show you that number one overall pick potential, and then he could show you it for, you know, two or even three weeks straight. But then when it comes down to it, overall, you know, he's inconsistent. So if he could stay consistent, then that's great. But, you know, when Andrew Wickens is playing well, it's good to see. But it was on the defensive end. It was closing out on the three-point shooters and holding the Jazz overall, to 34% from the field. They shoot about 40% on average as a team. And the Warriors have been one of the worst defenders of the three-point line. Now, they've been top five in uh, defensive rating and, and all of that and all those statistics, but that's because of how well they've protected the rim, even with their lack of size, and how well they've defended the mid-range. But they have not been good defending the three-pointer. And yesterday, holding the Jazz to 34% from three was ultimately the key. And also getting some scoring. Because the, the, the scoring from the starting five is going to come. But getting the second unit just at least a little bit of offense. Knocking down some timely threes. That, to me, is what got the Warriors this win over the Jazz. And it was just the fact that they never let up. You know, the Jazz kept fighting back because the Jazz overall are a good team. You know, they're top not only five, but seven guys that they have along with Ingles and Jordan Clarkson. And then you throw Derek Favors into it. They got eight very, very solid players. And Quinn Snyder, the way he handles his rotations, um, he manages to keep two, three starters on the floor at the same time. And then it doesn't hurt that you're getting that six-man-of-the-year uh, candidate in Jordan Clarkson and then Joe Ingles coming off the bench. But those guys, very good shooting from three. And the Warriors overall, they held Jordan Clarkson to three of eight while holding Joe Ingles to two of six. So they didn't let him get anything going yesterday. But the energy that Draymond brings and the fact that they are 25-1 and one whenever Draymond has a triple-double Whew. I mean, look, I don't know if this is who the Warriors are. This is as good as they're going to play. This is, you know, they're reaching their potential. The only other guy you need scoring in the double digits, I guess, is Kelly Oubre, uh, which he didn't do yesterday. But overall, just a great team win. And, you know, going into tonight, we'll see if they can carry that momentum. And, uh, you know, they got the next game against the Rockets and then a couple against the Grizzlies, which proved to be huge matchups going forward, uh, looking to see as uh, how the standings are shaking out. But 
888 is the text line in the phone number. If you want to weigh in on anything the Morning Roast is talking about today, they're going to be joined by Brian Baldinger at 635. Then they got Wiseman Watch at 8 o'clock. And then, of course, they got Eats for Free at 930. So stick around for the Morning Roast, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Have a great day, everyone. 95.7 The Game.